But my relationships with my mom and my children are improved because I know there's only four things that I need to tell my mom and that I want my children to tell me. One, I want my children to tell me and I tell my mom every day how happy I am. I want my children to tell me every day and I tell my mom how healthy I am. I want to tell my children to tell me and tell my mom how much I love her. And then finally, I want my children to tell me and I tell my mom how much I appreciate her, which means how much value I add to her life uh, and she adds to mine. And so if you can you know, hold yourself to that standard of my children come through me and all I want for my children and the decisions that they make and the lessons that they learn is number one, I want them to be healthy, two, happy, three, love me, and four, share appreciation with me. I want to add value to their life and have them add value to mine. That's it. Today on Woman, we have David Meltzer coming on, and I'm very, very excited because I wish I had known him 19 years ago when 9-11 happened, because there was no waiting. There was no response. There was no downtime to feel things. It happened at in the morning, and then by four o'clock that day, um, Dick Rosso was already on the phone with us. Um, we, we were just already starting the process of how are we going to get the exchange open and when? You know, I had from the moment that we knew what had happened at 8.46 in the morning until the second tower fell at 10.29. And then there was that after for like an hour and a half where we're like walking around like now what, trying to close things, trying to gather phone numbers. And then um, I clocked a ticket. I wrote directions on it. I clocked it and I left. And that was at 12.10 p.m. I didn't finally get caught up with large until four o'clock from walking from the exchange to Brooklyn. We both walked the same route, but at different paces and at different times, there were no cell phones. We had no way of keeping in touch with each other. So when we finally met up at four, you had that gigantic exhale. And then you started to, you embrace and you started to cry for like about 30 seconds, but there was no time for that. Like you had it, like we want to just get home, get showered. And then by the time I got home, I already had about nine voicemails on my machine from the New York Stock Exchange and from the American Stock Exchange. And it was like, it landed on me. So I had no choice but to just jump in and start rebuilding immediately. <clears throat> Excuse me. There was no downtime. So starting September um, 12th, it was just phone call after phone call, meeting after meeting. And we were able to open the following Monday and it was an insane trading day. But people don't generally like to talk to me about 9-11 because they right away, you know, they it's a very somber, very surreal, very sad experience. But there was so much, I hate to say it, joy that came out of it because you really got to see people work together. You really got to see people pull together and the best that every single person had to offer. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I really Absolutely. got yeah. a, a rush from. And I always felt kind of guilty that I had gotten so much joy out of that because it was nice to see people pulling together. And David's always talking about find your happiness, find what makes you happy and doing that rebuilding and doing that working with people made me so happy, but I would have like an immediate 
reflexive guilt. Like I, I can't be happy about this, doing this because I'm doing this because of such a sad. And I didn't know if I was just ignoring what was happening. You know, you bury it and you, and you just suppress all those feelings and I'll never let them resurface to even ever deal with them. But you know, like somebody like him, like I, I'm hoping that at some point, maybe somebody like him would be able to put it into perspective for me. At least I'm hoping. Not that well, it's about. especially <laughs> yeah. 20 you know, years of mental issues on my end. <laughs> the, um, I had to pick up my youngest from uh, UMass last night. So mm-hmm. here I am picking up my kid who I dropped off, not expecting to pick up until May. And he gets in the car. And he's like, this is just, he, he's, a, he's calm and he's a cool, you know, kid. And he's like, this is, this is weird. And then he first said, how was it on 9-11? Because he was a baby. Right, so he, sure. has, he has no memory of it. And he's like, was it this bad? Was it this? Was it? And I kept saying like what you said. I said, that happened. That was an attack on us by people. We knew, you know, what was happening. And it, after a few, you know, after a few hours, we knew what was happening. And, um, but it was personal. Like right. it was, and this is not personal. This is. Well, we don't know. That's, don't you find that well, we just don't know? Well, you know, it, as in the actual catching something uh, and it's spreading, meaning, you know, obviously people could, be know that they're contagious and then try to spread it to others. So yes, in that case, but what I'm saying is the actual virus is not a personal virus. You know, like it's, it's not coming after pe- only certain people. Like it's right. everywhere. True. But so, I feel like it was free. I feel like this one was a lot more human, had a lot more human engineering to it than some of the other ones. And yeah, I know I, I'm, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm really not. I enjoy a good story, but I'm not a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> this one though. Well, it doesn't, like, I always feel like <clears throat> you always get so much information from the news media. You all, I mean, good or bad, whether they like what Trump says or whether they don't, they always just, there's always a negative spin to everything. Mm-hmm. And all they're saying is coronavirus. They're not saying anything else. And that's, what's making me feel like there's something that they're not telling us. Because they're always telling us way too much, whether it's true or not. So I don't know if they've, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's just a very different experience from anything else. And now I have my kids home for two weeks. I have every store around me empty, you know, and I'm not, I'm not an alarmist. Like I, I didn't go out and buy 50 rolls of toilet paper. I just didn't. Cause that's just not, that's right. just not me. But um, it's just very, it's very weird to have so much and so little at the exact same time, you know, even when we have, um, when we have had hurricanes or even snow, what do they call them? Um, snow blizzards and stuff. Right. It's nothing like this, you know, so, when the schools close, it's nothing like that. So my friend who's a, a store manager, um, texted me earlier and cause I had asked him earlier cause he had to pick up his daughter from a different college, uh, a couple days before I had to pick up uh, my son. He says, I was just picking up my phone to text you an apology. I grossly us underestimated things to top it off. We're only getting delivery sporadic. And then he shows me his shelves. Empty, empty as can be. <clears throat> this is a huge, huge store. 
hopefully people are disinfecting those shelves now. They're like, oh, this is great. We can actually get into corners that we've never been able to get into before. Right. Pay he people says, overtime. He says the back, um, the back end, their supply chain is completely empty. Wow. So they had no deliveries last night. And so major warehouses says, and stuff don't even have supplies to ship they out. They have already gone through their supplies. Wow. Good for them. They're, yeah. Like that's how insane it is. And he says, um, I just put everything that I could on the shelves. This shit is seriously unprecedented, crazier than the ice storm or the tornado. It's yeah. That's just like the natural disasters. Right. It's like, at least we won't have to check expiration dates on things. For a while. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, how good is this dressing going to be for? Because everything is so wiped out. Everything has to be, that's restocked. It has to have a new expiration date of, uh, you know, like a whole new fresh shit set of downs for shelf life. And I, what you were saying, like, we saw the best in people after 9-11. We really, really did coast to coast. I mean, it was just amazing. I count on one hand the bad the people. worst of people now. With Corona? Oh, really? I haven't, you know what? I didn't go, sh- I went to Home Depot yesterday because I had to buy garbage bags mm-hmm. just because I just had to right. and a fire extinguisher. And um, it was empty. Not the shelves. Home Depot was empty. And I'm thinking, I was I was like, well, I guess I should buy some of my pine sole and some of my bleach. Like they had, they were yeah, stocked they, fine. I don't I think people realize you could people, buy stuff people, like that. I don't think people understand that Home Depot and Lowe's has Everything. a whole aisle of yeah. like clean supplies and because- all those guys that are working on, you know, homes or whatever mm-hmm. are, you know, fixing stuff up. They've got a supplies, you know. Yeah, stuff. they fix their, they stock yeah. their trucks. Right. So I, you know, I was like, oh, you know, well, at least I know I have it. And they, you know, the bottles of water, they have those big, big five gallon jugs that you could flip over into those. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm not going to buy one when there's 70 of them right there. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm really, I'm not an alarmist. I'm very laid back with stuff like that. And maybe it's yeah. because of 9-11, maybe right. because of everything that, well, I don't know. That morning when that happened, I didn't, I didn't, um, <clears throat> I didn't panic. I didn't panic at all. The only thing that got me a little bit spooked was that morning when I got off. It was the first time I ever had taken the train to, to work. Mike and I always uh, drove together. Yes. And uh, when I turned the water on in the bathroom and it was black <laughs> and it was literally black the same time the first plane hit the first tower. So it wasn't like that was a, an effect of the trade center being hit. Yeah. I mean, it was, it would have, water does not travel that fast. You know what I mean? Like, so right. I turned the water on the ex- like probably within a millisecond of the pl- the building getting hit, but it was just a, I'm like, Oh, look, I'm someone's telling me something, Trish. And she like, she can't talk to me. She wasn't able to talk to me after that ever again. She hugged me a bunch of times. So I can't just because she was such a believer in that stuff. Good, Good morning. morning. Thank you so, right. so much for doing this. I'm so excited to talk to you. How are you? Amazing. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. I'm Annie. O'Malley's on here too. Hi. Thank you for coming on. Of course. Thank you both. I can't believe you're up at 730 your time to do this. I can't tell you how I wonderful that is. <laughs> I, I can't tell you. I'm so excited that I have something to do. So this is good. <laughs> well, I'm thrilled to be Are you kidding? Thank you so, so much. It's wonderful. So before we start, I just want to introduce David Meltzer. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Um, this is very exciting for me. I've listened every time you've come on to large, I've watched your, your podcast and it's just so exciting for me. And, um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. And I will tell you that large, uh, keeps telling me he has no idea why you feel that way. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> he should because I all I do is talk whenever I watch something I tell him about it so he should but uh he's just, yeah. <laughs> just busting your chops well, thank you. yeah I love him that's why um, I love him he's amazing he's and it's genuine you know like sometimes yeah, like he goes on and he inter- you know interviews people and he's like wow that turned out really well that was really good it was so nice for the way this person reacted to me I'm like but that's how you, like you're genuine with people. You actually, when you speak to them, he's, he's actually the, um, when he's interviewing someone, I told him this the other day, he's Mike McCarthy when he interviews them. He's not large when he talks to people. And yeah. I think that's what people see and appreciate more than anything. Well, he's I certainly got, appreciate him. I think he's wonderful. Oh, thank you. I'll make sure that he, well, he'll hear this. So he'll know. <laughs> so tell us, tell us something about you. We don't know. Because I feel like you're such an open book and it's, I love it. Uh, um, you, you know, I, I will tell you that probably most people don't know on the spirituality side uh, because I shy away from explaining to people how important understanding, you know, the blending of all the different religions and spiritualities. And I would say that that's like one of the topics that I, don't really share with people is that, you know, I study all different religious texts and spiritual texts every day. Um, and there's one that I practice every day. I, I read a thing called the course of miracles, uh, which to me kind of ties in my historical analysis of religion and spirituality. Um, because I, I, my mom motivated me to study history, uh, cause she said human nature never changes. So if you study history, you'll be able to know how uh, the ego works and how truth works and all these different things that will never change. Well, I found that, you know, the best historical texts are those that are related to spirituality and religion. And so most people don't know that I'm probably a student more of that every day, Uh, at least spend, um, you know, 10 minutes a day in these, you know, quirky little routines that I have of making sure that I study some sort of spirituality or religion to understand what makes people tick. That's awesome. That <laughs> it reminds me of, of uh, some of the stuff that I'm going into right now, which has uh, taken me down the, the uh, mindfulness, awareness, uh, Eckhart Tolle, like all of the, the uh, 10% happier, all of that. And I'm really deep into that world right now. And uh, man, you just, you just gave me another great book to, <laughs> to dive into. I'm, I'm actually so excited now. <laughs> so. Uh, so my first book agent was Bill Gladstone, who was Eckhart Tolle's book agent. And uh, which I always joke around and said, my first book agent was Eckhart Tolle's and the guy who uh, did the dummy books. <laughs> I said, so I, I, I think I'm like the perfect blend for him. Right? <laughs> That's so true. So when you, um, so I was like, like I'm, 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 I'm a big fan. So um, one of the things for me is, I don't know if you know my backstory with nine 11, but it was I, a very part of it. So with that, I had to dive right in. I was telling O'Malley earlier today that, I had to dive right into rebuilding. Like there was from 8.30 in the morning or 8.46 when it happened until four o'clock, that uncertainty and that unknown. But really from, I guess, like 10.30 after the second tower collapsed to about 12 o'clock, they had already started like Dick Ross and everybody, they had already started corralling phone numbers. Like we were running around trying to 
make sure that everybody's contact information was together. And then by 4.30 that night, we were already on conference calls trying to rebuild. And I was telling O'Malley that for me, I had to, um, I really dove right back in right away. And I got so much joy out of it that I would immediately turn around and feel guilty about it because <laughs> like, you, like you can't get that much joy out of something from such a huge tragedy. But you, I really like working with people and being so proactive really got me like, I felt such a fullness after like at the end of the day, cause I felt like I was really working towards something positive. You know, I, I had nine widows. I had 14 orphans. Like it was just knowing that I was helping them. It gave me so much joy, but then I would feel guilty. Like how could I possibly get so much joy out of something that was just built out of a, an absolute tragedy. So one of the things that you are big on is finding your happiness and sharing that with people. So yeah. what do you think who don't know how to find their happiness before they can actually share it? Well, there's one word that comes to mind and it's practice, right? I think what happens is uh, in the journey, what I call the enjoyment of the consistent, persistent pursuit of our potential. And everybody has their own potential that's dictated by three things. One, they're conscious, uh, which relies specifically on uh, an accurate source of information, meaning that our conscious relies on our senses, which are completely inaccurate and our memories, uh, which as we get older, we realize are, are also inaccurate and seem to get even more inaccurate. But then it also relies on our subconscious, which only stores 40,000 thoughts. And those thoughts are exclusive to us. And then even moreover, we have a quantum memory, our DNA, which dictates our personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions. And so that continuum has to be recognized for individuals because everyone's on a different race, on a different journey. And we have to encourage them just to practice being happy, to have a mindset, to find the light, love and lessons and everything that you do, including 97, 2001, 2008, and this week. Uh, right. And, and I'm telling people there's two components. You, you shared your story um, at a high level, but what it represents is what people should think about today is that number one, your immediate reaction was to stabilize, right? Get all the phone numbers, do everything. And stabilization is the first step. Um, and so as we journey, no matter what's occurring in our life, the ego is going to want to hold grievances. It's going to want to have judgments and conditions that are just relative to our conscious continuum. But for us, if we know, okay, first I'm going to stabilize, then I'm going to help others, right? So when we can't give what we don't have, so what I'm... Uh, hopefully teaching people and will for the next few weeks as they go through these uh, more challenging and fear restricting times is that first stabilize and help others stabilize, then look for opportunities and don't feel guilty. Like I, I don't feel guilty, but I know that I have built since 2008 when I lost everything. And, you know, in 2006, when I went through my transformation uh, myself, that I know I have built, to be stable so that when things occur or the pendulum changes in a big way, that void that's created when the pendulum moves because of a virus or because the depression hits or because 9-11, something extraordinary happens, extraordinary happens that I'm not going to feel guilty about making sure that I'm taking advantage of being happy in the opportunities that arise because of the pendulum switching. Uh, moving in, in 
a very fast manner. So I think if people take the perspective that I'm on my own track, I'm on my own race, and it's according to my own conscious, subconscious, and unconscious makeup, and my guidepost, my GPS has to be happiness, and that I have to, guilt is, is, is an ego-based emotion. It's just like fear, anxiety, frustration, anger, the need to be right, offended, separate, all those different things. Guilt itself creates resistance, voids, and shortages. It basically tells you that you're not enough. It tells you that you're living in a world of not enough. And it also tells you, you know, that you're not worthy of everything that you're already connected to. And because you know, at the times of inspiration, you know what you're connected to. If we physiologically looked at the amount of kilowatts of energy that is produced by your own being, the amount of kilowatts that exist in your pinky would light up all of Manhattan. You know, you start realizing in those times, wait a second, all these dumb things that I'm feeling from the ego that loves to hold grievances, it's just creating interference and corrosion to that which I'm connected to. And if I can harness all that energy, then I can connect that to other people. And even though I feel good about something that moved the pendulum one way or the other too far, even though I feel good, there's no reason because it's just going to interfere with me being able to help other people. Hmm. I, I love I love what you just said it, at the beginning, when you talked about stabilization, I've, I've often reminded myself that the airlines are right when they say to put your own mask on I was thinking before your child or before the person that you're with. And I think about that in life, like, how can I be helpful to people if I'm choking on smoke, if I haven't taken care of my own mask and, you know, obviously that's just an analogy to anything that's going on, but that, that is what I think about. And you just laid it out so perfectly. Um, and it goes a step further. You know, if you go to Southwest airlines, this might sound funny, but the, the best part about it is, is that uh, when they say, well, if, you, if you're traveling with children, make sure you put your mask on first and then assist your child. If you have more than one child with you, make sure you put your mask on first and then help the child with the most potential first. And then go down the line, right? Yeah, that makes total sense. <laughs> oh my gosh. They, they say it as a joke. They say it as a joke, but you know, that's how I prioritize my stabilization is I want to maximize opportunities according to my continuum and my my being. And so I, you know, as much as they're joking, I look at things that way and I go ahead and stabilize and then take advantage of the opportunities with the most potential. I guess you have to learn how to look at things that way. I get you like that's something that's a you have to learn to do that and put aside all of the other like um, things that go with it. Like yeah, you have to practice. That's it. Like, a great just, quote. Yeah, it's, it's sorry. I was going to say Wayne Dyer, right? Change the way I love him. Change. <laughs> he was. I've, I've been to a bunch of his seminars with my mom. My mom got me hooked on him, and um, we went to actually one of the last ones that he had done. He was just yeah. He he had a he had a way of making you understand things in like the simplest way. And I love that. I actually wish that um, something you had said in one of your interviews in one of your podcasts with that gentleman, John Asaroff, am I pronouncing it right? Yeah. You were talking about um, keeping a, I think you, I think it was that one. I think it was that podcast where you said you would keep a business card of somebody else in your pocket. Like, I wish I had that idea on 9-11. Like, I wish I knew to do that back then. Because so many of the yeah. things you've said since that I've watched on some of your, on your podcast are, um, I, cause I can only relate it cause that was like the biggest event in my life, but I really wish I had that thought back then 
to put all things aside and become somebody else and pretend I'm that person for the day because it, it's, it was just such a profound way of thinking. Yeah, the alter ego, but the irony is large, right? Large has a part of what he loved and one of mine was from John Astroff as well, which is my favorite, is the law of Goya, right? Get off oh, your yes. ass. Oh, yes. I love <laughs> I, that was such a, it's, I'm going to use that with my kids. Do you know what this is, O'Malley? <laughs> oh, his, let him explain it. It's so great. It's yeah, so great. I, I'm not going to be able to explain it. But yes, if you guys want to explain it, you know, when you know something, but yeah. like other people can explain it so much better. Yeah. And that's what Wayne Dyer, someone, someone called me the Wayne Dyer sports. And I almost broke down crying. So I'm a big cry baby, but I go, that Aww. has to be like the biggest compliment somebody could give me that, I, that I'm even compared to Wayne Dyer. But Aww. the law of Goya, I love the law of Goya, right? When people talk about the law of attraction, they forget that it has action in it, right? And so people forget that the universe works. And from Einstein on, if you study these people, they talk about nothing happens till it moves. At the smallest quantum level, nothing happens until it moves. Well, the law of Goya is really simple, right? Get off your ass. Um, so. <laughs> it's awesome. And it makes, it's like so simple. You know, it's like when my dad used to say, keep it simple, stupid. Like, it just makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> logical. That's good. Yeah, the universe loves simple. So now when you do taking advantage of your conscious, subconscious, the three consciousness, how do you incorporate not wasting time? I'm dying to do that. I would love to know so, how you don't waste time. I, I am. So for me, number one, I have two routines. Uh, and I think people have an unrealistic expectation if they only have one routine. So even some of the great time masters who have established a routine, which is a great way to, to create time. Number one, it's what lens am I using for time? So for me, I have a lens of productivity, which means all my time is focused on how much value I can provide. How can I be of service? How can I provide value? What am I doing to produce something? And then the lens of accessibility is how do I keep accessible to others? I hate the word busy. I'm very active. In fact, I don't even believe in work. I believe in activity I get paid for and activity I don't get paid for. But accessibility to me is so important because not only do I need to be accessible to others, but to create the flow of this energy that we talked about earlier, I need to access what I want in that stabilization phase in order to give it away, to allow it to come through me for others. And then finally, most importantly, the lens of gratitude. The lens of gratitude gives me perspective, that mindset that Wayne Dyer talked about, changing the way that we look at things to have no conditions or judgments or be as positive as possible. So the first routine is the one that our days fit in the normal context of what we do. So from, you know, I'm going to go to work the right way, I'm going to travel the right way. and there's a percentage of the days that fit within that. And here's the five things I look at when I'm uh, in my routines, both adaptable routine. That's when the in-laws are in town or I have a bachelor party or I have to go to India. But these are the five things to, to master time. Number one, know your values. So every day, take an inventory of our personal experiential giving and receiving values, knowing that things change. And that our values will change every day. And we're not a hypocrite for changing our minds or changing our values. But it's very important to start the day knowing what your personal experience of giving and receiving values are. Because it will allow you to make decisions quickly and allow you to stay away from people that are not aligned with your values and stay away from ideas that are not aligned with your values. 
So the number one time advice that I give to people is know your values every day. Number two, ask. So for me, it's a series of questions that are to determine how I can be of value or service, the productivity side of it, and a series of questions of how somebody else can help me, the accessibility side of the question. So for me, I'm in person on the phone via email or media, radio, print TV, or social media, consistently asking how I can be of service, a series of questions, not just straight out, hey, how can I help you? But a series of questions to truly determine what I have in my inventory of assets and resources that can help someone else, as well as what they have that can help me and ask for it. The third is to be a student of my calendar. This one's very pragmatic and it's changed my life. I look at my, I don't look at it, I study it. That means I pay attention plus give it intention to create the coincidences I want, which is a mathematical equation of life. But I pay attention to give intention in, in coincidences to what I have planned during the day, what I don't have planned for, for the day, meaning the white space, the empty space in my calendar, and then sleep. Sleep's the number one habit that we share. It's an eight-hour habit on average, and most people don't pay any attention or give it any intention. It's the only coach that I keep consistently in my life. Always have a sleep mentor. I've studied sleep. I study sleep. I study how exactly I'm going to effectuate that conscious continuum that we talked about. The fourth thing is to be present, which means to me, pragmatically, do it now. So 100% of the things that you do now get done. The biggest difference between me and most people is I get shit done. And the reason I get shit done is because I do shit now. And so I ask myself when things occur, can I do it now? And if so, I do it now. And if I can't, I put it in a repository, an email, a text, a list, wherever it may be. And I prioritize all the stuff I could do now and what's most important first, which is uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, I think, or, or Caddy, one of those two came up with this philosophy of do what's important first. Don't let what's urgent bother you. You can delegate what's only urgent. But I have a repository of things that I wasn't able to do now. Create great efficiencies and effectiveness and statistical success. If you do something now, you save at minimum twice as much time and you're guaranteed to be exponentially more successful. And then finally, the last piece is what we've been talking about previously, almost the whole interview, which is I practice ending fear. The biggest practice that I have is to know when I'm in truth-based consciousness is to stop, drop, and roll when my mind, body, and soul are on fire. I stop, drop, and roll when I'm in ego-based consciousness, the need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, angry, anxious, resentful, guilty, <laughs> all these feelings, instead of, instead of accelerating in that trajectory, what I do is stop, drop, and roll in the peace trajectory, the truth trajectory, in, in a trajectory of calmness where I'm not creating any interference or corrosion to the greatest source of power and light and love and lessons that I'm already connected to. I just sit in peace and allow things to come through me, for me, to me, through others. Wow, you're so inspirational. <laughs> Annie will say this sometimes when we're talking to someone, how she wants to reach out to them daily because, you know, they inspire her. And now I'm like, how how can he become somebody I'm in contact <laughs> with all the time? Because everything you're saying to me is like, yes, I, I completely agree. And I'm trying to figure out how to put all of this into my life and, and, uh, and build on this because all of these beliefs that I'm, that you're talking about and, and practices, I strongly believe in, but 
didn't for so long hear anybody talk like this. I, I guess I was just in a, in a different world with people who lived in fear, who lived in all of the, um, you know, the ego based guilt and all of that stuff that you're talking about. And, and now that I've been able to step back and go, okay, who am I? You know, what is it that's important to me? I'm getting back to these um, beliefs that, and practices that you're talking about, but you have it all laid out and I'm very scrambled. Like I actually have something printed right in front of me and I, I held it up for Andy to see as you were talking and it it's just the um, printout that says be ambitious get shit done keep your priorities straight keep your mind right and your head up that's right in front of me right now as you're talking and it's like wow you just said all of that but very eloquently so. <laughs> well good now we got it recorded so you can listen to yes it. exactly yeah. I'll just listen to my own podcast over and over and over <laughs> I love that one of your I mean, first things that you cold call, like you basically cold call yourself in the morning. Yeah. I love that. I, you know, isn't it awesome that I literally, I mean, I am a salesperson through and through. And I think the reason I'm so attracted to your husband um, large is that we share that transformation, the same values and kind of the same background and a very pragmatic approach of you know, what I consider five to thrive, which was a sales system that I created. And truly, I believe I live my life by one, stimulating interest, not only for mothers, but for myself, two, transitioning that interest, three, sharing the vision, four, managing and developing that vision so that I can thrive, meaning that I can create energy or impact others to impact others. And as you guys probably know, my whole life mission Although I utilize the process of making money to help people and have fun in my own life, my real mission is to impact over a thousand people, to impact a thousand people, to impact a thousand people. He loved that. March was like, talk to him about that because you're going to love this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'll just quickly tell you, but I loved, I, 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 you know, jobs, I was blessed to be around jobs as a young entrepreneur. And he, he always said, and he's a complete dick, by the way. But he always said, he goes, you need, you need, you need to connect the dots backwards. He goes, you got to connect. So I, I was so money motivated. I wanted to make over a billion dollars. And I just couldn't figure it out. I, I made a lot of money in my life. I lost a lot of money in my life, more than most people will ever have. But I have to give credit to people like Steve Wynn, Steve Jobs, and Bill Gates, and Warren Buffett, and especially Jeff Bezos, who makes over $100 billion you know, I, I don't see how to do that. And then I shifted my paradigm and said, you know what, that's too hard. What about, you know, because I, I can't control that outcome of money. What what if I could control who I impact and reverse engineer that? So I said, I could create a collective consciousness on earth of being happy by impacting over a billion people. There's 8 billion people or so on earth. Um, what if one eighth of them woke up every day like I did super stoked and went to bed, super happy and grateful. What if I could do that? And so just really simple math. I spent years trying to figure out how to make over a billion dollars. I probably spent 10 minutes figuring out my life mission, which by the way, is really a big mission. And I kind of almost feel weird when I get insecure or egotistical that I would tell people that, you know, I actually believe I can do this, but I stand on stages around the world. And, I, and after I'm done talking, I asked them, I said, 
look, I'm looking for a thousand people that think they can impact a thousand people to impact a thousand people. And if you do the math, a thousand times a thousand is a million, a million times a thousand is a billion. And I am at stage very confident that in my lifetime, the next 60 years, that I will impact a thousand people who are capable of impacting the thousand to impact the thousand. And I'll ask people in the crowd, raise your hand if you think I'm able, you know, meager, meek, humble David Meltzer at 52 years old, who here thinks that I can do this? And everybody raises their hand where nobody would raise their hand when I told them, hey, who thinks David Meltzer can make over a billion dollars? They would laugh, snicker, <laughs> and make fun of me. But it's so inspiring to me that I am nobody, but yet I am somebody because I have the ability to impact somebody who can impact somebody to impact somebody. And that to me, really, just everything that happens on earth, I'm like, oh, this is another opportunity to impact more people and teach them the lessons. Life is about lessons, the lessons that keep on coming and result in pain if you haven't learned them. So if you have mental, physical, spiritual, any type of pain, it's just because you haven't learned the lesson. So go seek the lesson. And the best way to learn a lesson is go seek a mentor who's already learned the lesson. So they can explain it to you. Hmm. I'm going to keep you on all that. No, I'm not. (laughs) But honestly, if I didn't have to feed my family. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, exactly. So now you have your kids. Like, how do you, how do you teach them the value of a dollar or like, what advice do you give them? Like for for, to be your kid? That's like, that's got to be extraordinary. Yeah. It's my biggest pleasure. You're tough on them. You would think so. My wife is. I married the right woman. Yeah, I actually, I, I did. I let her be the bad guy. And uh, I'm very smart at that. But you yeah, know, Large nice does that too. Is, <laughs> <laughs> like you said, you are very similar. <laughs> <laughs> Once I realized my children come through me, not for me, uh, that was a big part of being a parent. And so I allow my kids. Uh, to, to make mistakes. I'm very open with them. I have three teenage daughters, 21 to 18, and you know, one turning 16, and then a nine-year-old son. I'm blessed because two of them are innately, you know, literally quantum. Their their memory, they're just really super old souls. So my oldest and my youngest, they don't need my guidance, right? They're they're happy. Uh, I think despite my wife and I, uh, <laughs> the, the middle. The middle ones are on a deeper journey to learn some more lessons. But what I try to do is allow them to learn the lessons. And really, the biggest line, here's the four things of being a parent. And to me, I call my mom every day for a minute a day, right? I believe that two minutes a day is worth two hours on a Saturday. But my relationships with my mom and my children are improved because I know there's only four things that I need to tell my mom and that I want my children to tell me. One, I want my children to tell me, and I tell my mom every day how happy I am. I want my children to tell me every day, and I tell my mom how healthy I am. I want to tell my children to tell me and tell my mom how much I love her. And then finally, I want my children to tell me, and I tell my mom how much I appreciate her, which means how much value I add to her life, uh, and she adds to mine. And so... If you can, you know, hold yourself to that standard of my children come through me and all I want for my children and the decisions that they make and the lessons that they learn is number one, I want them to be healthy, two, happy, three, love me, and four, share appreciation with me. I want to add value to their life and have them add value to mine. That's it. And that's how I parent. 
and allow them to go through. And I remind them every day of those four things. I remind my mother of those four things. I let them know I have their back, but they have decisions to make, but I have their back. You say that's it, but that's, that's incredible. That's a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, and it's so simple. It's just, it really is because it's like, as you're saying it, I'm, I'm kind of like identifying with it. Cause you know, all I have is my mom now and I have my three kids and we do the rose and thorn every night around the dinner table, like best and worst part of your day. But, and that you're, you're a hundred percent dead on. Like that's, that's really all there is. Right. It's like, that's, it's so simple and it makes so much sense. And you don't, I don't know why people just don't do it every day. I, it's, well, just remind them, be one of my 1000, just remind them. <laughs> I, I'm going to be. Absolutely. So now I'm not, I know you're, I know that um, your time is so valuable, but before we let you go, just one thing we do, O'Malley and I have started this historic 15 and um, I know I sent it over to Alex yesterday. So um, if you could pick a 15 minute time frame to witness something from history or your own past, what would you want to see? And when would you want your time to begin? You can't alter history, only see it for what really happened. <laughs> I, I think the 15 minutes before Christ died, Ugh. Right, I, I like yeah. I like to witness those fifteen minutes up until, yeah, he was put on the stake and, and passed. And I just think that one moment. I like you know I study spirituality, mm-hmm. religion. My brother's my brother's a Harvard graduate, biochemical, uh, laude genius who became a rabbi. So he's a very famous rabbi. I, I would love, I think, to settle everyone's fears by understanding that 15 minutes of time, what really happened to be there and be able to effectuate a perspective of peace and happiness, health and love to everybody by saying, no, no, I was there. Here's exactly what occurred. This is what the man said. This is what happened. Now let's all unify, right? Let's all bond together over this occasion now that we all know the truth. Well, that would stop a lot of wars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't surprise me that your answer is to like is to unify everybody and bring everybody together first for harmony. I love that. Really, yeah. you're, you're an incredible influence on people, and I can't thank you enough for doing this with us because you've certainly made a huge difference in my life and the way that I look at things. And I know you've done the same for my husband and O'Malley. And um, I'm going to definitely try to incorporate it in my everyday life with my children because I think it's so special. It's such a wonderful message. So. Thank you for sharing it. And thank you for doing what you do because you really make a difference. Well, thank you. And please thank Lars for allowing me to come on Barstool because I think it's really important for me to have access to those types of audiences more than just people that, you know, have gone to the You Can Do It conference and, and right. other things. It's, it's, it's the fact that I think I was a, a fairly famous sports uh, star executive for years and that people allow me to come on through the mass the 87%, the vibration at that level to help them. So it really is a huge benefit that uh, she's been so gracious to give me the exposure and awareness to that audience because um, everybody needs to hear this, not just Definitely. people that already get it. That younger demographic <laughs> is going to change the world, right? In the next 10 years, they're going to be the next one stepping up to the plate. You got it. And I appreciate this opportunity as well. If you all need anything at all, just reach out. Let me know I can be of service and I will share this content as well with my team. And I appreciate you taking Saturday morning uh, with me and go enjoy your family, especially large. (laughs) Thank you, David. Have a wonderful day. My best to your family and to Alex. She was wonderful yesterday. She was so helpful. Oh, awesome. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. 
You too. Take care. Be healthy. Bye. 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 Oh, I love him. Just honestly, don't you feel like, don't you feel like you just did an hour of hot yoga and now you're ready yes. to conquer the world? Yeah. I feel so empowered. Like I just want to go out and build something, you know, yeah. except I don't have to tackle my hair. That's about, it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's my, no, but he's just like somebody like that. Have you ever listened to Dr. Wayne Dyer? Oh, well, Mel, you would Not love him. Fun. Not a lo- ton. I mean, he passed, well, I guess right. it was last year. My mom is a huge fan and for her birthday and for Christmas, I would give her tickets and I would take her to go see him whenever he was at the Jacob Javits Convention Center or some local places. And he was so inspiring. And he just, he just made you walk out of there feeling like you had just been hugged and just an inspirational person who just loved everything. And that's what David does. He's got, he's got a way about him that makes you want to go out and just be a better person. I know I tagged you in a thing on Twitter the other day with Jordan and large and Lisa about this girl who was asked to purchase grocery groceries for an older couple. Right. But that's how I feel like I feel that I meant that. Like I see Lisa and I see you, I see Jordan, I see large, I see myself. Like I see that we are those kinds of people. And I think that's why we gravitate toward each other. And it's, it's just like, so it's just so nice. I wish there was more people out there. And, um, you know, David spreading that to so many people really does make a huge difference, doesn't it? It's really incredible how he can take like what we ask and and directly answer it, yet use all of his like all of his code, I don't want to say code words or, you know, the things that he said a thousand times, you know, a million times mm-hmm. and be able to put it back into, you know, the the way we we asked him. And it's like, I want to go back and I want to listen to this. And of course, I, I had the beauty of being able to edit. So I'll get to listen to this and then I'll, I'll probably take notes. And, you know, by the time I publish this, I'll have like a whole new thing of like little things around my screen to remember. And, um, you know, I obviously have been watching his videos and um, I remember when Josh, you know, from uh, Sirius XM Fight Nation, mm-hmm. when he was telling me how um, his his time when he he booked him, but he was supposed to get like the other. There's right, um, right, right. Yeah. you know, and he was like, he was so nice and it was so yeah. great. And they just went with it, but he was incredible. And he goes, I had no idea. And I called the wrong one or I booked the wrong one. But like, you just think about like how amazing he is to be able to answer our questions, but not just. Yes, he's, he said all of that before, but he was able to, uh, you know, make it unique for us. And he went on Josh's show. I think that was back when Jerry Cooney was yeah. on Jerry Cooney's show. Uh-huh. Um, but it was, um, you know, he was able to just be like, okay, I'm here. You know, how can I be of service? How can I be of help? How can I, how can I make this work? So he's incredible. And, um, and I think we've, we've had such a, such a great um, moment since like, since Danny came on, like the, yeah. when Danny first came on, and then Lisa Ann came on and, and now Slane has come on and now David's come on. And it's like, it's really life-changing. And like, we're putting this out there. It's changing us. It's helping us become more of who we want to be and are tapping into who we are and, you know, too afraid to be or, or what have you. 
and we're both getting messages from people that we know mm-hmm. like, oh, I listened to the podcast. I listened to it three times. That helped me. I'm taking notes. I'm getting that book. I'm reading that. I'm going over here. Man, I've been stuck in this mindset for, you know, 20 years or, or whatever it is. And, you know, I, I think it's great. I'm, I'm very excited. It kind of goes back to our first podcast, our very long poorly produced podcast (laughs) where we said, we hope we help people. I mean, yeah, we're going to make jokes about different things. And, you know, I'm always, I'm always up for, you know, a a ridiculous line about something that shocks people, but I also want to help people. I'm also, you know, um, I love doing that. So I love all of it. I think we've, we're, we're doing it. You know, we've everybody so far that we've had on, I have, we have not had one person on that hasn't been inspirational. Like think about one of our episodes with Ellen, when Ellen Carabas came on, Mm -hmm. remember she was talking about how, like, she was so excited for going out for her 36th wedding anniversary. Like Mm -hmm. that, like I, that's something, you know, inspirational for me. I aspire to have that. Like I still get butterflies when I know that Mike and I are going somewhere and he's on his way home, you know, from Ellen, who is, you know, um, She's just, she like, she's an incredible person in her own right to David Meltzer, who is incredible in his own right to Danny. But like, you're absolutely right. We, we have had on people who just want to project happiness mm-hmm. and would help anybody. Every single one of them would, would help anybody else in the, you know, in this, in a millisecond. Like when we had somebody on, we didn't, we didn't air it, but we had a, um, <laughs> a podcast with, with, you know, it was an unfortunate one, but it like sort of got aired just, to, just so that aired, people yeah. know it did get we did do about a five minute like hyper clip of uh of of that interview with the second Lisa Ann mm-hmm. um, because Lisa Ann listened to the whole right. to the whole entire thing and then so she was able to talk about it so if people want to go back and listen to that but yes so. but even that girl that that it was a very unfortunate situation but even that was helpful because it the negative was her, her like insulting banter, but Mm. from it came like, you know, the first person I got a DM from was, was Ellen. Like you handled that very well. She complimented like things like that. And I got a bunch, I got a a bunch of DMs, but it was nice to like, people just right away want to come. And even if they don't agree with you, it's like, I've had, cause I had a few of those too. Like, um, you know, like, well, you know, maybe if you were, I get they that they weren't hurtful. Like maybe if you had done this, she wouldn't have done that. I'm thinking, okay, you know, that's fair. Everybody's got, you know, it's, it's and it's for me because it's food for thought for me because I do take what, uh, what people say and I do internalize it. And I listen, even if it's against what I did, because maybe there's something I could have done better, or maybe I didn't react the right way because I am Italian. I am reactive. I'm, I got a flash temper. So I'm, I'm not above saying, you know, it's probably wrong if, if I go back and look at the situation and, um, but for the most part, people just, he's right. If, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try and do that. Like I had this thing today for Barstool Breakfast. I'm going to yeah. try very hard to make that every single person that I touch for the rest of this. <laughs> With world, sanitized hands. <laughs> exactly. No one's going to want, right. no one wants, I don't shake people's hands anyway, because I have right. such dry skin. Like my hands are so dry all the time. I, I'm always like, you don't want to shake my hands. So I give someone a pound, like they just don't. And um, my sandpaper hands. And um but everyone you come in contact, you know, with today, you're going to tell spot. everybody we spoke to David Meltzer today. Yeah. Every single person I speak to, I'm going to be like, hey, yeah. you know, 
Yeah, Annie, nice to meet you. I'm part of Old Man with O'Malley. We have David Meltzer on today. I, I know. That's how I'm going to preface <laughs> you it. You know how amazing Ellen is? She really is. What she really is. And I, she is my friend. So I definitely get, you know, we have our personal conversations we have for years. She, she broke her pelvis phone. She's been laid up since. She has? Yes. Why did she? Oh, I don't want to give away anything. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow, painful. Yes. The thought of that just makes my stomach hurt. And she is the one who takes care of her mother and her aunt. And during this period, she had to have, she asked other family people, not, not her, not her kids or her husband, but others that should, you know, step up, step up. And nobody stepped up. Really? So yeah, she actually ended up a a cousin who has no business having to like, that has nothing to do with, with that side or, or whatever. She even who's very close to Ellen, she, she stepped up when nobody else did. And it's weird. And she, she, man, and she's, you know, a little bit older than us. And she's like, man, I would not have, you know, I know that these people are this way or this way, but I thought they would have at least helped me this time taken mom to the doctor, but they didn't. And now I like, I, the fact that she just had to arrange her life to, you know, be able to, to take them in when she was capable of doing it, but she That's was crazy. I'm I mean, blessed that my was, sister is awesome. Like I just, I, I, it's yeah, just, I'm lucky that way. I can't so, imagine having it's that. It's so wild to have somebody who's so kind and so amazing and does everything. And other people were like, no, we couldn't be bothered. Like she's amazing. She's really amazing. Like I, I love her. I've loved her, you know, for, for many years before, long before Woman, long before section 10 ever became a, a podcast or anything like that. So I, you know, I'm very happy to have, have her in my life just because she's such, you know, she's just that like everyday inspiration for me of, um, wow. Of having that type of friendship. 